This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. Amen. God is faithful. God is faithful. So, um, okay, I'm going to get it under control and I'm going to teach. It's good to see y'all family. It's good to be here. It is, it is great to be here. Um, we're continuing on our topic of ministering to the family. My portion in this is ministering to the soul, talking about implementing the solution. Um, the purpose of my teaching, which we've been talking about, is the same as Minister Martin, so you've heard it several times. We want to find out how to address struggles with wrong thoughts and depression in marriage after the newness wears off. How to deal with things when things aren't what you thought they would be, when the expectation of what is, when what's really going on doesn't meet your expectation. How to handle struggles um, with midlife crisis or feeling like you're inadequate or think you're missing out on something. We want to learn how to control our thoughts and how to identify when you're being too hard on yourself and too hard on others. And we went over to uh, Proverbs chapter 4. Let's go over there and um, this is our foundational scripture. Proverbs chapter 4, we're going to read verses 20 through 27. Verse 20 says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. So we were talking about this. We were talking about to have a successful Christian life. You're going to have to get the word. You're going to have to make an effort to get the word. You're going to have to accept it as truth and respond to it. You have to keep it at plain view in all times, and you've got to concentrate and focus on the word. Because we figured out what's in your heart, whatever what's in your heart is going to affect how you live, what you think, and what you do. In this teaching, I have three objectives. It's how to appropriately apply faith and the word of God in my life, how to create and maintain the proper atmosphere in my life, and then how to continue. So we started off with how to appropriately apply faith in the word of God. And we talked about you had to go back and figure out what do you believe? Because whatever you are believing is what you're going to act on. So your faith should be the activity of what you believe. If you say you believe something and you don't obey and you don't do it, then there's no power in your life. So whatever you believe, that's what you're going to act on. So if you believe the wrong things, you're going to act on the wrong things. Then we looked over in 2 Corinthians and we saw that there, um, there are things in our mind, there are things that we've built up, fortresses, strongholds. And in those strongholds, they won't let the right things in. But they keep the wrong things, these reasonings, these arguments, these justifications, these opinions that are against the word of God in our mind. And it keeps us from doing the will of God. So we have to pull those down. We said, in order to pull them down, we have to have the Word of God. The Word has to be the very core of who you are. 
in order for the word to be the core of who you are, not only must you hear the word, but you have to do the word as well. The word of God is not a suggestion. It's what he says. It's his command. It's the foundation that we build our life on. So everything that we build our life on is to be supported by that foundation. So therefore, I have to go after the word of God. Not only do I hear the word of God, but I have to get proper understanding. So to get proper understanding, I have a finite mind. So I've got to go to God who is infinite, and he will give me the understanding. So I go to God in prayer, and I ask him. So prayer is essential in this. So when God gives wisdom, when you ask God for wisdom, we saw it in the scripture in James, you can ask God for wisdom, and he'll give it to you liberally. When you ask God for wisdom, the word becomes alive in your heart. It just doesn't become like words, like a chant or some incantation. It becomes alive in your heart. And once you understand it, you can apply it to your life in the proper way. It's not just something you're throwing around, doing any kind of thing with. You know where it goes and how to use it in your life. We said wisdom, we go after wisdom. When we go after wisdom, that means we're not lazy, we're not lackadaisical. It's the thing that is most important to us. When you go after wisdom, it brings godly success and prosperity. So that was was making sure we understand what we believe. We have to understand what we believe. So we've been working on this second point. It's how to create and maintain a proper atmosphere or environment in my life so that I can have this successful Christian walk. So I can... Get what God gave me, the solution to my issues and to my problems, so I can properly apply them. So, in, in this, there's no area of me that's off limits to God. So what does that mean? There is nothing that God, there's no part of my life that God can't be a part of. He shouldn't be involved in. Every part of my, let me say that a different way. It's not that God shouldn't be. God should be the center of it. He doesn't just need to be involved. See, that's it. Okay, that's the problem. God, you've involved God in your life. So, here's a good example. At my university, I'm involved in some of the alumni things. I send some emails every once in a while. I hardly ever go to the events. Every, you know, I'll do a few things that they ask me to do, but I'm involved in it. So I can, you know, I do a little bit. And they're still like, yeah, they still like, yeah, Kelly's around, she's here. But I'm just involved. I'm not sold out to it. See, the thing about it in your life, you've got to be sold out to God. God just can't be, God has to be everything. And everything else is just there. God has to be everything. You've got to center your life around the Word of God. You've got to center your life around God. And I told you last week, sometimes I differentiate. I'll say the Word of God, the will of God. It's all God. He and His Word are one. Don't sit here and think, I got God, but I'm, not going, I'm going to disobey His Word. You must be a hearer and a doer of His Word. So there's no area of your life that's off limits to God. There's no area in your life. Earlier we were talking about worship. There's no area in your life that's not bowed down to God, that you're not worshiping God in. So what we have to do, because that's different. So now we're hearing some things that are a little different. We have to renew our mind and we have to discipline our flesh. So we talked about getting some self-control, some self-discipline. That we can't be fearful or timid when we challenge our thoughts or we deal with our, f- our flesh.
So we have to actively apply self-discipline based on the standards of God. And we looked over in Proverbs and it said, if you don't apply self-control, you're like a city whose walls are torn down. If you don't apply self-control, you are subject to sudden invasions and attacks of the enemy. You fall prey uh, to temptations. Things come upon you and you don't know how to handle them. You don't know how to deal with them because you don't have self-discipline. So what we said we're going to do is we're going to uh, build a perimeter. And that perimeter, first we're going to start internally. And that begins with your thoughts. And we talked about active and passive. As believers, we're actively involved in controlling our thoughts. We're actively involved in challenging those things that come against the knowledge of God. To be active, to have an active mind means I examine the thoughts and the emotions based on the standard of God. It is, an active mind is always prepared to challenge its thoughts and its emotions. It's looking. It's self-reflection. It's saying, why did I feel that way? What was that thought? Was that thought of God? I had a thought about somebody. Was that God? I had had a thought about my husband. He's a man of God. I can't think about him that way. I can't think about my wife who's a woman of God that way. Even if they're not, I can't think about God's creation that way. That person is valuable to God. Why Why would I devalue them even in my thoughts? That's what an active mind is doing. You're pulling down those things. And the thing about it is thoughts come quick. So you gotta, like I said, you have to be armed with the word of God. So this is self-reflection. These are things you're not going to get anybody else to come in and say, can you, can you challenge my thoughts for me? No, you have to do that. The devil will try to plant lies in your mind, but you have to pull those down. And the only way you're going to pull those down is with the word of God. You can't, okay, the devil, when he comes to you, he's coming to you with a lie. Because he's the father of lies. You can't believe the lie. You can't internalize it. You can't think on it. When that comes up, you've got to have the word of God and you've got to say, wait a minute, that said, okay, here, we'll go back to that. That said that my, that, that thought made me think that my husband is a low, good, lazy, n- nothing. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is that, is that the thing of God? So now when, when that thought comes in, I don't say, well, maybe he is. No, I say, wait, what does God say? Who does God say he is? And then you're like, hey, but wait a minute, who does God say I am? So God, God tells me I don't think like that. You know why? Because God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son. And you know what? He gave his only begotten son for everybody else. So everybody else has value. So I've got to challenge my mind, those thoughts that come in. And you say, wait a minute, how, how did you jump from that? So don't focus on what the devil gives you. Don't focus on those things that are unlike God. Focus on the word of God. Once you do that, you're going to turn away from those things that are ungodly and you're going to turn towards God. And then you're going to realize that that perimeter is going to keep building and building. And it's going to be harder, not that the thoughts won't come, but you're just going to get better at, at pushing them away. So in order to challenge your thoughts, first you have to identify what God says about the matter. And then you have to align your thoughts with under his truth. So you have to arm yourself with the word of God. That's why it's so important to hear the word, to get understanding. It's it's not, like I said, you've got to hear the word, you've got to understand the word. So when those things come up, you're ready to challenge those things. We're not led by 
our emotions. We're not led by those, the things going on in us. We're led by the Holy Spirit as believers. So the thoughts and the emotions and those feelings that you're having, they may be real. There may be things that you're going through that are making you feel a certain way. There may be things that make you sad. You may have some confusion. You may have some confliction in your life. But guess what? That doesn't necessarily mean it's true because the word of God is truth. Don't act out of that confusion. There are so many people now who are living miserable lives because they've acted on the confusion in their head versus going to God and getting the truth. So if you're confused, if you, you don't know what you're doing, maybe you're not calling it confusion. You're just like, I just don't know what to do. You're uncertain. You, you, it, that, that's okay. But instead of acting on that uncertainty, take it to God and say, God, I'm uncertain about this. What, what do you say about this? Don't act on it. You don't have to act on that. You don't have to do anything. If you put in a position where you're uncertain and somebody's trying to make you do something, just pull back. We're going to talk about that later on, about your, the company you keep. Because, listen, God is not the author of confusion. So go to him. Don't get stuck in that. Don't get stuck in your feelings. Don't, don't do that. Which led us to talking about controlling your emotions. There's a difference in having emotions and being controlled by emotions. We all have emotions. We all get happy. We all get sad. All those things happen, but we're not controlled by our emotions. We're led by the Spirit. In order to not be controlled by your emotions, you're going to have to have some self-discipline. Your emotions are going to come. You're going to want to do something. You're going to act on it. Maybe you're having a bad day and you just want to yell at somebody. That's acting on your emotions. We're not going to do that. So then we talked about those are our internal parameters. And last week we started talking about the external parameters. And the first one we talked about, so internal, internal, you're going to have to work on the internal. Really and truly, if you get the internal down, the external, it's going to be work, but it's going, to, it's going to be easier. But let me tell you, all of this you're going to have to do, but, but get on that internal. But then comes the external. You have to control your tongue. So we talked about this last week. It said, I said, not only is it what you say, but also your facial expressions. And, and I got convicted this week at work, y'all, about a facial expression. I think it was all of it. I just, like, shut down. But anyway, back to the thing. But I had to control my facial expressions, my body language, and my other nonverbal communication. Thing about it is, we're, think about this point that I'm talking about. It's setting up an environment to make things, to have a place that's conducive to doing the will of God. To have a place that's conducive to the word of God producing what it's supposed to produce. What we say, there, there's a lot of power in the tongue. What we say can change everything. Everything doesn't need to be said. We have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. We need to let the fruit of the Spirit manifest itself. We need to practice some temperance. That means that I'm going to temper myself. I have some self-control. Some things may be true. They may be right. But it doesn't, need, doesn't mean it's expedient. It doesn't mean you need to say it right now. So we have to practice some discretion on what we say and when we say it. When you say something, in your speech, practice meekness. So meekness is power under control. I have the power to say that thing, but I have that power under control. I'm not using it as a weapon. I'm just not throwing it around. 
So when you say something, check your motivation for what you're saying. Why are you saying what you're saying? It may be it's the word of God. But what is your motivation for saying it? Is it to show that you're right? Is it to show that you know the most? Is that godly? If you plant that ungodly seed, you can't expect the godly fruit to, to come from that. So remember that. You may, you may have the words to say, but you need, to, you need to practice some discretion. You need to be meek. Figure out what, let God show you what to say, when to say, and how to say. We also talked about social media. And social media, it is a tool that can be used to do good things. But it's also, to some people, it cannot be used as a good thing. They don't know how to use it. In your social media, don't, don't get caught up in that. Not only your social media, your phone calls, your text messages, your emails. It's so easy to just type something out and just shoot it out to somebody. And once it's gone, it's gone. Whatever you said, you said. And you know what the thing about it is? They don't even have your face to figure out how you were saying it. So now you sent something off and you're like, wow, I, I, I really didn't mean it that way. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to have some practice and self-control on that. Once again, everything doesn't have to be texted. Everything doesn't have to be emailed. Everything doesn't have to be posted, Instagram, tweeted, all those things. Those things, they're inviting chaos into your life. So you're doing all these other things right and you're throwing things out on social media and people are responding and then you're getting into it with people on, on, on Facebook. What is that about? That's a waste of your time. It's inviting chaos into your life. Another thing, and this, this is getting into the new information. So, with our social media, we're not going to invite chaos into our life. Another way that sometimes we invite chaos into our lives is that we talk too much to other people. So, stop telling everybody what's going on with you. Be more discriminating when choosing who to share the details of your life with. We're going to talk about keeping company, but I want, I want to say this now. Everybody does not need to know everything or even anything about your life, especially your family life. If you're married, that's between you and your husband. Sometimes we say things, we talk to other people about the things that are going on to us, because we think maybe if we can get somebody else on our side. Maybe if somebody else tells me I'm right, it's going to make a difference. Doesn't matter how many people you get to agree with you or feel sorry for you, it's not going to change God. Understand, it's not going to change God. So you, you be more discriminating. The first conversation that you should have, you got something going on in your life and you say, I just need to talk to somebody about this. That first, the first conversation, that somebody who you need to talk to about, talk to, is God. There it comes in, prayer. God, this is going on in my life. This is happening. I don't know why this is happening with my wife. This is happening with my husband. I don't know why this is happening. So instead of, instead of going to somebody else, and it's nothing wrong with talking to people. Understand that. We're going to talk about that. But have the first conversation with God. Then he'll lead you. He'll direct you on how to, how to handle the situation. If there's somebody you can, that you need to talk to, he'll lead you to that person. He'll even prepare that person's heart to receive that. 
So it's not that you don't you can't talk to anybody, but you don't need to just go out telling everybody trying to get a band of people behind you and then go back to your spouse saying, well, I told this person, this person, this person. And they say I'm right. So I got to be right. That's not it. Then the, then on the flip side, you go tell people and then you get back, you and your spouse, you argue and you go have an argument with your spouse and then you go tell all your family. Now your family's mad. But then you and your spouse make up. And then the next time y'all are in the same room, everybody looking at your spouse crazy. Because you told them, and you're like, why y'all acting like that? Because you told them everything. You, you, you know what? Once again, to me, that is, that is and you're, you're using your mouth as an outlet for your emotions. Don't do that. Don't do that. Talk to God about it. He will lead you. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. You can ask people to pray for you. I'm not saying don't do that. But once again, God hears your prayers. So I was thinking about this. And once again, listen to this. I am not saying you cannot ask people to pray for you. That is fine. God says it in the Bible. Go to people and ask. But God hears your prayers. You got stuff going on in your marriage, which is private between you and your spouse. Go to God. He hears your prayers. He heard your prayer for salvation. You believe that, right? Right? Even though somebody may have been leading you in that prayer, he heard your prayer. So if he heard your prayer for that, he'll hear your prayer for this. Don't discount your prayers. You, you can ask other people to pray for you and pray with you, but understand that God hears your prayers. In that, we get to the next point. So we're going to control our mouths. We're going to control um, our emotions. Then here's the one that, that, that people are like, I don't know if I want to do this. You've got to watch the company you keep. Go over to Proverbs chapter 13. So Proverbs chapter 13, we're going to look at verse 20. It says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. So that is pretty plain there. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. The people you spend time with affect you. So when you spend time with people, we'll call it an association. So you have an association with that person. Associations cause connections. So think about um, a connection, um, I was just talking about uh, like wireless. So if you have a wired connection, you put the, the plug into your computer. Or we'll just talk about charging your phone. That might be easy. Everybody probably understand it. So you have a plug that you need power to. So you plug that in. That's a connection. You make a connection. When you unplug it, you disconnect. So your associations, it's like a connection. Your associations can be energizing or they can be draining. So you think of it, if you have a problem with your phone charger and you plug the charger, you plug it in and it won't charge, that's draining. It's not giving you any power. But if it's correct, then it's going to energize, it's going to give power to your phone. So your associations, they can be energizing or they can be draining. Associations influence your thoughts, your emotions, and your behavior. But guess what? The amount of influence that an association has on you 
is up to you. So you can choose how much someone else influences you. Um, I'm going to read, if you want to go there in Proverbs chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 10 through 20, but I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. So that's Proverbs chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 10 through 20. And once again, I'm reading this from the New Living Translation. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Wisdom will save you from evil people, from those whose words are twisted. These men turn from the right way to walk down dark paths. They take pleasure in doing wrong, and they enjoy the twisted ways of evil. Their actions are crooked, and their ways are wrong. Wisdom will save you from the immoral woman, from the seductive words of the promiscuous woman. She has abandoned her husband and ignores the covenant she made before God. Entering her house leads to death. It is the road to the grave. The man who visits her is doomed. He will never reach the path of life. So follow the steps of the good and stay on the path of the righteous. So what we have to do as we need to use godly wisdom, the wisdom that God gave us, to choose our associations. We need to ask God and get his wisdom to know who to drop close to and who to allow access to our lives. So, hear me out this, this whole point. Don't, don't try to jump to any conclusions. This is a good time to practice controlling your thoughts. So, so listen to the whole matter, okay? Don't jump off and say, she said this. Keep it in. Keep it in. So, our associations. Some of our associations are chosen. Some of our associations are not chosen. So, associations that are not chosen are family. We don't choose our family. We don't choose our co-workers. There are just some things that you're a part of that you don't choose. So, these are people that you see that you have to spend time with, but you don't decide that, that they're there. No, You don't have control over them being there. But just because you don't have control over them being in your life, you still can decide how much influence they have over your life. You can determine how close you want to get to them and how much access you want them to have to your life. And we're going we're gonna to get into this. Then you have chosen associations. These are your friends. And guess what? Completely choice. I know some of you say, but I've had a friend since, we've been friends since we were three. You know what? Continuing to be their friend, at three you made the choice, you're still spending time with them, you're making a choice. That's a chosen association, and it's completely up to you. When you're dealing, so this, this is the time like you're, you're dealing with your thoughts, you're controlling your emotions, you're watching out what you say, but now this is when you've got these ties with these people. And this is when the thoughts are going to start coming, so you've got to control them. I've been with this person for so long. This is my family. They've done so much for me. I can't. Guess what? You're going to have to make some difficult choices. But in that, I'll say it like this, you're going to have to make some difficult choices, but God. You have the power of God. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to direct you. All you have to do is obey. 
You have to say, what's important to you? Is the purpose of God in my life more important than having this relationship this way? What I mean by that, you can have a friend, but you don't spend a lot of time with that friend. You can love somebody, you can have care for them, but that doesn't mean you give them access to your life. See, a lot of times what people will hear is that, oh, i got to push all these people away. I gotta cut these people out of my life. I gotta be mean to them. I gotta be rude to them. I gotta ignore them. No. None of those things. The thing about it is, think, think about godly character. And we don't have time to explore this, but at any time does God want you to be rude to anybody? Think about that. So why now when God is saying, no, I don't really need you to be close to that person, is he telling you to tell them off and tell them, oh, you are a drain on my life? No. No. God is just, once again, control your mouth. God is just saying, you know what, you spend way too much time with that person. You're listening to things, and what they're saying right now is not what you need to hear. So what I need you to do is step back. Move away from them. Because here's the thing, being purposeful about the company that you keep doesn't mean you're rude, doesn't mean you're stuck up, it doesn't mean you're cliquish. doesn't mean you don't love people and that you don't care about them and that you don't want them to have a good life and you don't want them to have the best. What it means, it means that you've decided that you refuse to allow any relationship to jeopardize God's plan for your life. Put that, think about that. You're, you're not, you're not going to throw these people away. It's just that right now, and it may be forever, right now these people, they, 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 don't, they need a different place in your life. They, they have a different container. You know, like it's certain things that you do and you really like, and you, you know, think about the things you buy. You always buy them because you use them all the time. Then there are things you buy, you use every once in a while. Then there are things you buy once a year because you barely ever use it. Maybe that person, think about it this way, needs to stop being an everyday thing and be a once a year thing. So, you're going to have to be purposeful. You're going to have to make some choices. If a friend or a chosen association constantly breaks the perimeter, constantly comes at you with things that aren't godly, that are draining, they're not energizing, it, 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 it's hard for you to be around them, then you know what? You're going to have to disassociate from, with them, from them. You're going to have to pull back. And what I mean, you're going to have to roll back. You're going to have to talk to God on how to do this. But they're a chosen association. They're a friend. You're not going to be rude. You can just, when they call, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I'm busy. Because you are. You're busy, you're busy controlling your thoughts. I'm, I'm busy trying to stay with the plan of God. You're busy. That's what you'll have to do. If an association that's not chosen consistently breaks the perimeter, you're going to have to limit their access and the influence over your, their, your life as well. So this person is in your life. You can't take it back. But you're going to have to come in and you're going to have to say, wait a minute, this, this can't happen this way. When I say access, that means you don't have to share things with them. Once again, you're not being rude. You're not telling them your day was good. You could tell them your day was good, but you're not bringing them close to you. And not only are you not bringing them close to you, you're not drawing close to them. Because once again, if they're draining, they're draining. If they, if they, and they may not be draining to everybody, just not, it may not be the person that you need right now. 
And don't go telling them that, oh, my goodness, I'm not going to finish this today. But I got to say this. Don't listen. Control your mouth. You are not the person I need right now. And you are not the person they need right now. The thing about this is you're not trying to you're not trying to prove who you are when you do these things. God has already told you who you are. You're just trying to walk in the purpose of God. That that's what you're going towards. You know, your life is not the real housewives of Central Texas. All that stuff you see, these people, if you look at their lives, they live horrible lives. So I'm going to sit down and I'm going to tell no. No, have a conversation. Remember, the first conversation you have is with God. You talk to him and say, God, how do I need to handle this? This person, my family member, is constantly giving me ungodly advice. They think every time they see me, it's a time to come in and tell me what I need to do, how, how this is wrong, and how this is what God is saying. And they're just invading everything. What do I need to do? God will show you what you need to do. Now, you're going to have to stand firm. You're going to have to do the work. But God will show you how to do that. The thing about it is God's not going to put you in a, in a position where you ruin a relationship. Now, you may break a relationship. You may break that tie, but you're not going to ruin it. He's not going to, give you, he's not going to make you ruin your witness. So he's not, going to put you, he's not going to have you doing things that are ungodly. Does that make sense? So you have to. You have to. Go to God. You have to pray. You have to keep these things in mind. We're saying controlling your thoughts, controlling your emotions. Remember, this is about you implementing the solution. Everybody else, we all got our own thing. So you handle you. You let God, you obey God. And let let everybody else obey God. With that, we're talking about disassociations, pulling away. There are people you need to draw close to. There are godly people that you need to associate with. So don't isolate yourself. So maybe this is the time and you're like, oh, Sister Castile, I need to do that. God is not saying isolate yourself. What he is saying is some people right now, what you need, what you need to grow in me, there are other people who have that. Because there are people that are believers who are purposefully walking in the will of God that you can connect with. There are strong believers that you can associate with, that God has provided for your life. It may not necessarily be the people you want it to be, but it's who God has provided. And guess what? They have with you what you need. So don't disregard what God has given you. So look for that. A lot of times you hear this, you say, the company you keep. And you think, well, well God, what well, I need friends. And God knows that. He created you. He knows that we're social. But he's also provided people in your life. And you're saying, well, these people, I don't want to lose this relationship. I, I don't want to give this up. I don't want to give that up. So right now, when you say that, that's a stronghold. Because you're putting that relationship over the word of God. You are letting that thing dictate your actions. You can't obey God because of that relationship. And usually when it's like that, the thing that you're thinking you're losing, you don't even have you just think you have it. So we can't disregard God. And now we're going to move on in this. So we're going to create this environment. And in this, we need patience. Go over to Hebrews chapter 10. 
Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read verses 35 and 36. Because it takes time. It takes time. It took time to get to this point. It's going to take time to get out of this. So Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read verses 35 and 36. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. So you're, we are going to have to have patience. We're going to have to do the will of God and then have patience. So keep doing the will of God. It may not look like things are changing, but remember, when you sow a seed, you don't automatically and immediately get fruit. It takes time. So don't be discouraged because you say, this is too hard. Don't be discouraged because you say, I've started this too late. I'm so far behind. What you're experiencing now is subject to change. Don't stop because you feel like you're too too far behind because guess what? If you stop, you're going to continue to get behind. So be patient and let let God have his perfect work. Let, Let patience have his perfect work in you. In that, it leads us to the third point, which is how to continue. So you get the environment set up. You've got to believe you're believing right. That's good, but you've got to continue. You've got to keep doing what you're doing. So you started out trusting God, so you're going to continue to trust God. We're going to trust God always. So go to Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26, we're going to read verses 3 and 4. Thou will keep him, excuse me, thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusted in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. When you trust God, he'll keep you in perfect peace. This is complete and genuine peace. You'll need this peace. We need this peace because guess what? Just because you advancing and growing in the things of God doesn't keep the thoughts and the emotions from coming. They're going to keep coming. So you're going to keep coming. They're going to keep coming. You're going to keep challenging. You're going to keep controlling. So you're going to have to have the peace of God. The more you actively take control of the internal and the external, you'll be you'll become more accustomed to doing it. It'll become your normal practice. So you'll get used to doing things and dealing with things God's way, and you'll move further and further away from those things that feed discontentment and negativity. In this, the next thing, so you're going to trust God always, and you're going to continue to obey God. It's that simple. Just obey Him. What He says, do, do. Don't not do because you, you decide, well, I obeyed you yesterday. I don't want to obey today. No. God's Word is not a suggestion. Obedience is required at all times. So I'm going to trust God always. I'm going to continue to obey. And then I'm going to wait on God. So let's go over to uh, Psalms chapter 27. Psalms chapter 27, we're going to read verse, verse 14. It says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Don't go back to that old way of thinking. Stay with God. 
wait on him. So when you hear the word wait, you think, oh, I'm just going to wait. But when we talk about waiting on God, this doesn't mean inactivity. It means activity, but this activity is approved by God. It's not going outside of God to address anything in your life. In fact, it's intertwining your life around him. So when I wait on God, I don't go outside of his approved methods to address any area of my life. I intertwine my life around him. This is God-approved activity in my life. So think about it. Women, when you twist or you braid your hair, how you intertwine it, how you interlock it. Think about that. You interlock your life around God. He's not around you. You're around him. So you're only doing what he says do. It's God-approved activity. So I'm going to wait on God that way. So when any thought or any mind or any suggestion comes to me, I'm going to make sure it's God approved. I'm going to take take it to God. My reaction, my response, my thoughts are going to be God approved thoughts. Because the thing about it is, Satan is going to come back at you. He's going to come back. The adversary is going to come back. And you know what? He's not creative. God is the creator. Satan is not creative. The best the enemy can do is figure out which lies hurt us the most and torment us with with those things over and over again. So probably the attacks that are impacting you the most today are the same ones Satan's been throwing at you your whole life. But you know what? His lies only have power when you choose to agree with them. So he's going to throw them at you. And he knows which ones work because he sees, he sees how you react. So when he throws it at you, you, you take the word of God. And you put the word of God. You intertwine your actions around what God says. He says, no, say this to that person. And you pray for him. Not praying for him out of manipulation. But praying, praying for him out of a true heart of God. Out of love. That you know what? You know what? God changed me. Show me how to deal with that. Because the enemy is going to come, but the word of God is there. His word is true. So continually conform your thoughts to God. Continually. Don't stop. You'll get better at dealing with setbacks, controlling your thought life, properly handling your emotion, avoiding activities and people that are draining. So do this continually. The more you do it, the better you'll get at it. Once again, you're going to have to because Satan's going to keep doing it. But you continue to rely on God. God got you here. He's going to keep you. So keep relying on him. We're not going to go here, but uh, write this down. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. So rely on God because you can't keep yourself. And that was Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. We can make all the plans that we want, but it's God that determines our steps. And remember, we intertwine ourselves around him. So we always need God. Rely on him. He wants you to have that successful life. He wants you, what you say you believe, to be manifested in your life. He doesn't want that disconnect between his promises and his people. He wants us to live the fullest of his promises. And he is faithful and just to complete that if we obey and we continue in him. Amen? And I am out of time. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.